just talking about how much awe and wonder and joy there is and really understanding our impact and how interconnected we are and to not take that for granted and to, and to learn enough and be inspired enough and in community enough with others to help me be awake. Welcome to Purple Honey, a gathering of female voices where we explore in conversation the sweet spot between Jewish wisdom and feminine spirituality. I am your host, Jody Bayless. We have moved out of a huge chunk of holiday time. And this year, the holidays took on different forms. And now, as we're ending the month of holidays and moving into the month of Feshvan, where there are no holidays, the question can become, what now? The answer to this question can occupy our lives in so many ways. And so in the next two podcast conversations, we're going to focus a little bit about small actions that we can take every day. We'll talk about how the little things we can do can make such a huge impact, especially now in a time where we almost might feel that we don't have a lot of control. So in this episode, I am in conversation with Becky O'Brien, the Director of Food and Climate with Hazon. Before becoming the Director of Food and Climate at Hazon, Becky was Hazon's Director of Boulder for nine years. She received a bachelor's degree in religious studies from the University of South Florida and a master's degree in religious studies from the University of Colorado. Hazon, which Becky has been working with for 10 years, is the largest faith-based environmental organization in the U.S. and is building a movement that strengthens Jewish life and contributes to a more environmentally sustainable world for all. Becky and I talk about Jewish wisdom that inspires action in this world, how the small things we do matter, and so much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. I am actually really curious what brought you into this work. I became an environmentalist. It sounds so cheesy and cliche, but uh, it was reading Walden by Thoreau that turned me into an environmentalist in college. And I shortly thereafter had uh, my first job in the Jewish professional nonprofit sector. And I immediately started thinking, all right, how do I start bringing in environmental stuff into this Jewish work of mine? And I was working for the American Jewish Committee in Florida and was able to bring in, at that time, the director of the Coalition on the Environment and Jewish Life, COJOL, to come and do a program for us. And I was just able to lobby our director of AJC in that chapter to do an environmental program, and we did it at an aquarium in that area. And brought in this speaker, and it just felt really great to be able to start bringing that in professionally. I then moved out to Colorado for graduate school and 
moved into working at a local synagogue and being our program director and then started thinking there, okay, how do I start bringing this into my work here? And worked with the Takuna Alam Committee to support them in doing more environmental activities, creating an environmental green team, working with the rabbi on bringing a annual Rosh Hashanah Lebehemot program, uh, the New Year for the Animals, and being more connected to the other creatures that we share this planet with, and also just working on the operation side as staff. I could make sure that we started expanding our recycling and changing the uh, types of paper towels that we used in the bathroom, and just simple things like that, just as a staff person on the inside, being able to really move the dial there, too. And... Then, actually, my mom was somehow on the Hazone email list. I hadn't even heard of Hazone, actually. And, you know, I live in Colorado. Hazone's got a really heavy presence in the Northeast that really didn't have too significant of a national presence at that time. My mom somehow was on their list, though, and saw the job posting for a regional director for their work in Colorado. And I saw that, and I was like, that's perfect for me. And I remember email my cover letter saying something like, I really am perfect for this job. And seriously, I don't say that in all my cover letters. And I actually already had a job. I wasn't even looking for a job. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. There's so much there. Um, there's so many threads that you brought up. And what, one thing that is striking me is how initially in your work, as you were beginning in your Jewish career, Jewish nonprofit career, um, it feels like there was an intention to really bridge this, um, I don't know if gap is the right word, but that there, there was maybe like a, you know, an area of growth in the Jewish world to connect um, uh, environmentalism and land-based um, connection to the land with the way that you you were seeing the, the organizations you were working with, how they op, how they um, were operating, am I am I getting that right? Yeah, I always wanted to. I mean, work life balance is important to me, but also work like work life integration a little bit, right? Like this, like I couldn't not manifest my environmental values and my inner tree huggerness into every everything that I want. It just came with me wherever I went. And meanwhile, while I was working at the synagogue in Boulder, I was actually getting my master's degree in religious studies and writing a thesis on Jewish environmentalism. So, uh, so I, you know, it was where my head was. And so I, it's been neat. I was recent, I recently connected with Rabbi Ellen Bernstein, who's one of the matriarchs of Jewish environmentalism, or at least con in our contemporary Jewish movement. And I met her at a Hazone conference a couple of years ago, and I looked back, and I just had quoted her like crazy in my master's thesis, and it was like, wow, I'm really meeting the leaders of this movement and Arthur Waskow and people that I've been able to hang out in the Hazone environment that before were just people who wrote a book that I read as, as like research and for inspiration. And so, yeah, it's been really great to be able to do Jewish environmental work and just as a sidebar like just 
and to be able to do that in Colorado. Like it seems like that's a possible job you could have like in New York or L.A. or Chicago or D.C. maybe, like, you know, a huge urban, high-density Jewish population. But to be in little old Boulder County, Colorado, <laughs> and be able to do Jewish environmental work and has been really amazing and like really a treat and be able to do it locally and do local work for a long time and then move into the national role as director of food and climate and be able to work with organizations all over the country has been really exciting. Yes. Yes. It's just, it's amazing. It's really inspiring how your work has expanded, right? You, you had this intention and that you were steeped in Jewish environmentalism and it's clearly you put yourself you put yourself in this space and then all of your, the people that inspired you sort of came into your life, which is really amazing. And then I, I love yeah. <laughs> how you, um, I love how you shared just about this idea of integration and, and that would, you know, as, as this is also a podcast about women and, and connection to Judaism, how, um, how um, aligned that must feel. And, and it's an inspire it's an inspiration to align what your passions are with um, just integrating that into your career. And that just must, must be so nourishing for you. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I feel very lucky. And before we go a little further into the, your, the work of Hazon and your work, particularly in Hazon, could you unpack a little bit, um, just sort of expand upon what isn't Jewish environmentalism for you? So... I don't know if this is really going to get at your question, but I'll, I'll tell you what it brings up for me. So one of the things that's happened for me through working at Hazon, Hazon really is about strengthening Jewish life and creating a healthier, more sustainable world for all. And I feel like first an environmentalist and that that's my priority and I have to remind myself, oh, right, this is about strengthening Jewish community too, <laughs> like, and that that's a, a, a whole huge part of our agenda. But those, the fact is that those things are intertwined. If we're pursuing the creating a healthier and more sustainable, more equitable world for all, that is by default strengthening Jew, the Jewish community by on, on a number of, of levels. And for me, what it really helped me do is break down that I could think like, oh, Jewish is that I light these candles on a Friday night. Oh, Jewish is that I go to this building for this particular holiday and say these things and do these things. Uh, that, that Jewish may be that I say oi as a normal part of my speech. But through doing this work, I realized Jewish is going to my local farm stand and supporting yeah. my local farmers. Jewish is looking at food that's about to go bad and say, you know what, I need to eat that today, and I'm going to plan my dinner around that. That, to me, is manifesting Jewish values in the most like mundane, secular, going about my daily life thing. Like Jewish isn't a thing that's over there. It's not a thing I do only on Friday night or that I only do once a month when I get together with this group of people. It's just so much more fully integrated into who I am. And so my environmentalism enriched my personal Jewishness. It mm. wasn't that for a long time I was going to my synagogue, as, as I was explaining before, and showing up with my environmental self, like how do we make this more environmental here? But also 
being environmental brought in my Jewishness to these other places and that yes. my gardening, my recycling, my reusing, my major decisions around my home, like those are Jewish, this is me putting these Jewish teachings, these Jewish values, including like the ones we were just talking about on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, talking about mm-hmm. what do I need to atone for? How do I live? Like all of that is how I live my daily life. It's not a thing that's over there. Yes. I, I love, you know, and our Jewish tradition is, um, has really built sort of this vessel in terms of how do we mark time? How do we mark the year like we just have? How do we mark our months? How do we mark our days? How do we, you know, begin our day? How do we end our day? And I love, because what I'm hearing, what it's coming up for me and hearing you talk about how integrated just going to, how integrated this is, going to the farmer's market, like that we have even more anchors. Like um, Judaism, it feels like Jewish tradition asks us to anchor ourselves. And so connecting to the land and connecting to the food, whether you're growing it or going to the farmer's market, all of those are also connection points. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about, I really hadn't thought about this before, but, you know, supposedly there's all these blessings that if I were observant, if I was orthodox, that I would be saying all the time. That uh, that a moment would come up where I would be obliged to say, now this is the time for that blessing, and that I would be saying those all day. And I realize, like, I don't say the blessing, but I I think in so many more cases I'm manifesting what the saying the blessing is meant for me to do. Mm-hmm. Have this moment of appreciation. Have this moment that will perhaps pivot my behavior to be the more holy, if you want to use the word holy, behavior, and. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so thinking about how all of these things that I do all day, and they sometimes they do feel very Jewishy to me. Sometimes they just feel totally secular, but I don't feel that separation anymore. And that was one, and that really happened for me, really through my work at Hazon, because I was watching it happen to people. There were people who were showing up at the Hazon Food Conference, and were like. I was Jewish over here and I was my environmentalist over here and I come here and those worlds are colliding and it is feeling pretty incredible. And I feel like I found my people. This is so neat. This is so cool. And I was like, Oh wow, I'm worked for this organization. That's happening for me now too, that these aren't so separated and it's enriched both my environmentalist identity and my Jewish identity by them not being so I so segregated anymore. Mm. It's so beautiful. And I have to say, to share with you that you, well, you and I met at the Hazon Food Conference, right? which feels like ages ago, but it was last, it was 2019 of August, right? Yeah. Is that right? 20, yeah. <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. Um, and I had that moment as well, because I, I personally also had, had worked in, in realms of social justice related to food. And in coming to the Hazon Food Conference and not only meeting you and others who were so invested and like interested and passionate about food, but then also just like you said, that just um, that integration of, of, of Jewish practice as like a practice of social justice and a practice of environmentalism, that, that, they, that they're, they're one and they're intertwined. Um, and so with the work of Hazon, with the work of you that you do, at when we first met and we had lunch after my, I had I, I led a food waste session, um, you were just transitioning into your new role as director of food and climate. Yes. 
So what has that been like and, and how is that reflected sort of the direction that Hazon is, is moving in? It has been really interesting work. And there was one very clear project that was on my plate right at the start. And we had support from EJS Philanthropies to create a Jewish discussion guide to go along with Jonathan Safran Foer's new book, We Are the Weather, Saving the Planet Begins at Breakfast. So I, my immediate task was to embark on tech study, really, and looking at this book that was talking about the connections between industrial animal agriculture and climate change. And through not really through a Jewish lens on his part. He's Jewish, and there's a lot of Jewish context in the book, but my job was to create a discussion guide to go with it. And so it was how do we bring a Jewish lens to this book and its context, its content. And so I really got to spend a couple of months like just soaking in these these Jewish lessons and these ideas about those connections. But to a certain extent, the book isn't – about, I would argue the book isn't really so much about how much animal products we do or don't eat. It's about do we matter as individuals? Do our individual choices matter? And that ended up feeding into the next big project that I've really been working on at Hazon, which is the Breed Hazon. Breed means covenant, and it's a program that has individuals make a commitment, a pledge, for six weeks to do a certain behavior, commit to a certain environmental behavior. And we have six types of commitments that you can make. For example, transition to plant-rich diets, buy less stuff, reduce your household waste. Those are some of them. You sign up for a commitment, and then we give you specific actions because it's one thing to say, Okay, I'm going to transition to a plant-rich diet. Does that mean I just have one less, you know, one less hamburger next week and I did it? And so we really want to give people some direction and create a program that's both enthusiastic and has some accountability and education and Jewish connections to it. And it was so cool to be grounded in the We Are the Weather book and having been in this discussion with my own self and with Jewish texts around our responsibilities as Jews, as individuals, and our power and as Jews and individuals and being really inspired by that. You know, there's a lot of arguments or drama in the activism world and particularly maybe environmental activism about what's the quote-unquote right way, effective way to go about saving the world. And there's some infighting sometimes that makes me really sad where there's kind of the behavior change, individual behavior change camp and the no, it's legislation, we've got to, you know, work against corporations, et cetera, camp. And it's, it's, it's all of the above. We need every level of behavior change and activism and involvement. And so to recognize that there's a very important place in the movement for us to be doing the personal behavior change that's not remotely at odds and in fact, in fact is deeply compatible with also 
getting out the vote, lobbying, petitioning, and all the other things that we're trying to do at different other levels of society. It feels really gratifying to do that and to help as an organization really push people to do all of those things. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I don't know what your question was anymore. No, this is this is yeah, this is a, a you're you're hitting so many notes and what comes up what stuck one of the pieces that stuck with me is just how our individual choices matter. Um in our covid reality, this feels very powerful right now. Um just right. the decision to wear a mask or not to wear a mask, you know, just just being part of all of these small decisions that have have impacts. I'm also in in this idea of that our choices matter. I I, I my mind does go to the text um, in just thinking about the building of the Mishkan and how detailed and how all these really 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 minute details that are really intended for a larger a larger purpose. Does that has has that image inspired you, or is there a piece of text that inspires you? As we're ex as you explored the theme of small choices um, that matter, not I have had some interesting learning around the building of the Mishkan and diving into that, but I would not say that no. That for me, that hasn't been a particularly inspiring text, that ha or having you know taken it in that way. What I'm trying to think, there's really. I mean, I can tell you some of just my favorite teachings that aren't, they're not Torah, they're not yeah. Torah biblical, but for sure, um, one of them that I've really been a challenge for me and that I found such an interesting text is so there's three. One is um, Rabbi Boonham teaches that in one pocket you should have, and this, that this is from, from our text, that I am but dust and ashes, and in the other pocket you have, for my sake was the world created. And the trick is knowing which one to pull out. Mm -hmm. And I had really been on a roller coaster, in an emotional roller coaster in my life around do my choices matter and feeling really actually overwhelmed by climate change and the environmental issues that we have and really right now overwhelmed by many more issues beyond that and feeling often very like I don't matter and um, actually reading We Are the Weather is what stopped that for me. It became very clear that I had the power and I was able to be less confused about those two sayings in my pocket in my pockets and what they could really mean for me and how to wield them better. And another teaching that's been, it's, 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 there's, there's two that are really my top to like keep me on track. I find years into them. They're just still like my favorite pet texts. And one, I guess feels a little cliche cause it's just so common, but it's out there, but it's so helpful for me is, uh, vote. it's not our part to do the entire job, but neither are we free to desist. Mm. I need to do my part. I can't, I'm not off the hook for like, I can't personally go up to Alaska and get that polar bear off that shrinking iceberg. Oh, well, I'll just do whatever I want. Like, I, I feel so overwhelmed and can feel so overwhelmed by the enormity of it. 
and to just stop and go, no, 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 what is my part? I have to do my part. I don't have to do all of it. And I, for, I swear, like I forget that like almost every day. Every day I feel overwhelmed and I use that text to recenter and go, right, right, my part. And I suddenly feel so empowered, so inspired, so back on track, so ready to go, much less, uh, you know, I just used this line with a colleague I was just emailing with today about how we can disenfranchise ourselves with with just not even taking the action that's available to us by either saying, either laying it at the feet of, oh, well, that's such and such bank or corporation or president or senator who didn't do the right thing, so I don't have to do my part because, you know, what's it matter what I do? And Judaism has told us again and again it matters what we do. And one of the one of the teachings that is not necessarily an individual teaching but something that just shows up as a thread throughout our Jewish tradition is the importance of the individual. We see through our Torah that this one person did this one thing and it changed the trajectory of all of, of mm-hmm. Judaism and Jewish life and every Jew that ever followed. And so we can see how, you know, there's the teachings of, oh, I'm going to forget the right one. Who was it that offered the, somebody offered something water? And they were like, okay, you, you get to be the next king. I'm totally making it up now. I'm forgetting the teaching, but like the, the, but for me, I'm forgetting the teaching because like I care less about who the person was or whatever. But the point being that this person showed sympathy to like, oh, that animal's thirsty and I'm going to give this animal water. And then like suddenly that person's whole life changed. Um, mm-hmm. and there is a teaching. This is also pure vote. Be as careful in doing a small mitzvah as a great one because you do not know the reward of mitzvot. We don't know the changes that we're having. You know, I think back to not long after I started working for Hazon, there was in Boulder a, a, a Eat Local pledge, and you signed up to commit to ten per, to source 10% of your food from our local food shed. And so I signed that and swear to God that morning my door knocks and it's a local dairy. Would we like to get a local milk delivery? And I was like, wow, you've got good driving. Okay, I'll sign up. So listen, this was almost 10 years ago now. And for 10 years, and I haven't figured this out for years, but three times 52, 150 times that. So Somewhere in the neighborhood of thirteen, fourteen thousand bottles of milk, no, thirteen to fourteen hundred, sorry, thirteen to fourteen hundred bottles of milk have now been delivered to my house that have been reused instead of recycled or thrown in the trash, and I don't know five, six thousand dollars worth of my money over the last ten years has gone to this local dairy in my community that doesn't use growth hormones, for example, and. And so there's these things that are happening that I just made that one little decision. But the way that that adds up, like I forget that I even made that decision. It was a choice. It was an action that I made. And it seemed like maybe a small mitzvah at the time, but it it just builds and builds. And I've heard those stories from other people who've been touched by his own programs. Oh, I went and saw the screening. I went home right away, went to my pantries, did a, did a, uh, an inventory, did some cleaning up, and I changed how I shop now. And if that person's doing that for the rest of their lives, 
I mean, these are huge. And so it's really exciting to think about not only what I as a professional can be doing in terms of small meets vote and not knowing what their reward might ultimately be, but that we have them as well. But my and favorite, the process. My, go ahead. Sorry, and, and, it, and the process of you know, coming to the place where, where we can continue to reinforce within ourselves that what I do matters this, um, that feels like a very internal process. Um, and what's so wonderful about Hazone and the work of Hazone is that you're creating resources and programming and initiatives and gatherings to really spark, to, to, really, to really facilitate that internal movement uh, that where somebody can really realize in community, you know, in the Isabella mm. Friedman retreat, you know, center, you know, um, eating delicious food at the Hazon food conference or reading a resource or participating in Brit Hazon. It's, it's almost, it's, it's like, um, it's a, it's like, it feels like an internal discovery process. And in, in the portion of we are the weather that I, that I read, I'm, I still need to finish reading it. I feel like Jonathan Safran Foyer was also just trying to like in, in, imprint this idea into us as we were um, almost like my almost like in a spiraling, you know, of like you know we are here in the middle, and then there's this world spiraling out, and and so um, again, I don't, I didn't have a question or a point in there, but it just my re my reflections from your reflections right. yeah. as it relates to and as it relates to the work of Hazon. Yeah. Well, so I definitely use the that peer care vote teaching that uh, it is not upon us to complete the work, but neither are we free to desist. That's a core text for me. And then I think my favorite teaching is Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel's Radical Amazement mm -hmm. and to look at life and take nothing for granted. And I taught that yesterday in a Yom Kippur discussion with my synagogue, bringing that up and just talking about how much awe and wonder and joy there is in really understanding our impact and how interconnected we are and to be able to hold this pen and think, how many hands touched this before it got to me? Where did this rubber come from this was ink and like to just think this would have been impossible a hundred years ago and for all of human history just until the industrial revolution and globalization and the transportation and to look at this and go just go wow and to not take that for granted and to but to learn enough and be inspired enough and in community enough with others to help me be awake to this i was at a his own food conference where we chilled out with a raisin for a good 40 minutes or so, you know, just a solid 40 minute like meditation on a raisin. Everybody got maybe three raisins and we smelled and we touched, we put in our mouths, we brought back out of our mouths. We thought about where did this come from? And like just suddenly this raisin got super interesting, like the most mundane of things. And the way that that wakes up your world just be like in awe again it just makes things kind of sparkly and intense and mm -hmm. and in, in a really beautiful way 
But then I can start to get like a little overwhelmed and be like, oh, my God, I can't throw this pen out, even though it's making me crazy and really annoying me because it's actually designed really crappy. And I just keep using it and like like building up that pressure on myself and that obligation to use everything to its end and and like and to not make myself go completely crazy either. And mm-hmm. so to come back. And so I kind of, mm-hmm. I think, use the Rabbi Tarfon Pirkei Avot quote and the Hessel teaching like kind of to counterbalance each other. So I, you know, just don't go off the edge in, in any particular direction. But I just, radical amazement, taking nothing for granted. To me, wasting things is the opposite of gratitude, whether it's mm. food or anything else. It's the way of saying to the world, eh, no, thank you, whatever, insignificant, I don't care. And that to me feels very un-Jewish. And to me, Jewish is about like, wow. <laughs> and when you feel wow and you feel radical amazement, you act in a lot more responsible, conscious way. Yes, beautiful. And the the Brit Hazon initiative that you Hazon is getting ready to fully launch, it feels like um, that really all it really offers like a menu of options to, to ground people in. And, and there's like I love that there's all of these different directions that you can go in your commitment. And then there's like many things that you can do, whether you're deciding on reducing your food waste or you're deciding to buy less. OK, so the Brita Zone yeah. has six commitments that or six categories of commitments that we invite people to consider exploring. You can commit to buy less stuff. You can commit to get growing and buy local. You can commit to transition to plant-rich diets. You can commit to reducing your energy use. You can commit to reducing food waste. And you can commit to reducing household waste. Those are the six commitments that you could make with the Breathe Hazone. When you pick one of those commitments, you then get shown six different actions you could take to achieve that. And then you can pick one, two, or three actions. And you're saying to yourself, all right, I'm going to do these things for the next six weeks. And we'll be sending you emails on a weekly basis that turn you on to organizations and resources that will help you follow through on that commitment, share some Jewish wisdom that dovetails with that commitment, and has some community connecting inspiration pieces to help you really stick with it, and just some education about why taking this action really matters. Did you know that 40% of the food in the United States is wasted? Did you know that the methane that is created from industrial animal agriculture is 86 times more powerful as a greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, and that's why it's so critical that we address reducing food waste and transitioning to plant-rich diets because the methane related with both of those activities, why we address those. And so we bring in some learning there as well along the way. And, you know, the hope is it's six six weeks and that that's long enough that you are ready to maybe make changes for a longer period of time. We also hope that if you are down with the six weeks that you'll take the Shemitah Challenge And before next Rosh Hashanah and the Shemitah year, that you go through all six actions in the period of a year, all six categories of commitments. So 
I love uh, that you're tying this in um, to, sh- to Shemitah, which um, just for our listeners, I'll share it's, it's, you know, um, traditionally linked to a, a year of, of um, where the land rests and to sort of tie out tie up your debts and um, absolve contracts and everything was sort of like reset um, from my understanding. And actually recently on Judaism Unbound, um, they introduced this um, on, on the podcast, Judaism Unbound, they introduced this really beautiful idea that really dovetails into what you just said, which is that they, they um, introduced... Th- the month of Elul is sort of the ramp, the freeway ramp, you know, the ramp into the new year. Like you're sort of taking, they call it a hala month where you're sort of taking a month to prepare. And then with the Shemitah cycle, they're treating, they're kind of, you know, um, raising the, um, they're using the language that we're now in a hala year as we enter mm-hmm. the next Shemitah cycle yeah. next year at this time. Yeah. We have all year to, to ramp up. And so to what you're saying, that this Brit yeah. has own commitment, you can go through many of these as part of your, you know, kind of priming yourself right. for large shifts that you may want to incorporate and align with the Shemitah year. Yes, yes. We just entered the Friday of the Shemitah cycle, the Friday year. And exactly. And so we, we hope that people... We'll do that. We've got some time to figure out if we're going to have some big grand prize for anybody who does all six. But I think that it's, it is fun to tie in the teachings and values of Shemitah into the Brita Zone because ultimately they're both about how we live, their li- live our lives as individuals and how we live our lives as a society. And there's there's just so many pieces of of you know the the small changes make a big impact. Um, integrating, you know, our, our Judaism into like sort of a mindfulness of, of our just daily actions as, as consumers and, and food growers and, um, and, um, you know, all, all of these pieces that you, that you've shared being in community, Brit Hazon really kind of houses all of this. I'm, I'm curious, Becky, as we're kind of winding down our conversation, what, what are you most hopeful for about, like as you launch this, what are you most excited about? I don't know that this is what makes sense for a podcast, but I'll just share on a very personal level. Like I really, to a certain extent, I actually really resonate with a Chabad rabbi I was talking to once who explained to me, he said, I envision that there's like a checklist in heaven and there's all these meets vote. And every time I get someone to do a meets vote, like I get a point for that. And he's like, and I want a lot of points. Like I, if, if I get you to do this meets vote, that that's on like on his scorecard. And I was like, I really resonate with that a lot because I really want, this is actually from the, the, prayer book that my synagogue uses. It's a prayer from Rabbi Chaim Stern. And the last line is, help us, God, to fulfill the promise that is in each of us, and so to conduct ourselves that generations hence it will be true to say of us, the world is better because for a brief space they lived in it. Mm. And for me, I 
want the world to be better, not because just of my own choices, but how many of your choices I get to change as well. I'm kind of like that Chabad rabbi. I've kind of got a checklist going like, oh, my gosh, I got that person to do this action, get that. Like I am like on a personal level, feel like really motivated and inspired and, I, you know, I'm doing get out the vote work right now. I won't probably know the outcomes of my direct outreach, you know, that out of the thousand plus people that I'm going to text actually later this afternoon, how many of them will vote because of what I did. But many of them will vote and many of them will vote in part because of what I did. I will be part of what lots of things that will happen that will contribute to someone voting when they weren't going to before. And if I can get maybe a tenth of a tick mark of credit for that. So on a personal level, I'm just really motivated by people changing. Climate change, environmental issues, you know, has own one of our things we've been saying now is Jewish tradition compels us to respond. Jewish tradition doesn't compel us to talk about it, to learn mm-hmm. about it, but to respond. Yes, we need to learn about and talk about things in order to respond. But we can't just talk about them. We have to respond. We have to change our behavior. We have to stop and go, what am I doing? What do I need to do differently? What more can I do? And and for me, that that's exciting and promising. You know, we I moved into a new house a couple months ago, and I've had a lot of fun actually brainstorming. Like, oh, right, in our inspection report, they said that our insulation is uneven. I need to see about calling and getting our insulation sorted. We'll use a lot less natural grass that right now is how we heat ourselves, our home. And and so to just have that concrete action, I need to respond. I need to respond. And the Breed Hazon is a program of responding. We are in a climate crisis. Jewish tradition compels us to respond. So if this is a structure that's compelling for people, this is nothing exciting or new. Honestly, there's, you know, there's, you can go sign your camp, your pledge to, not drink plastic, use plastic water bottles to not use a straw. And there's a lot of really great inspiring things out there. If this is one more thing out there that turns on new people and gets their attention in a new and different way and will push them a little bit farther or wake them up for the first time and a person is going to act differently and make that pivot. And, and, and again, thinking back to my milk bottle, like, and what that adds up to, like, that's super exciting. That's super exciting to me on a personal level and I suppose that Hazon as an organization shares some of those same motivations but not necessarily with the personal morality checklist that I somehow imagine is somewhere in heaven or But, yeah, so uh, it's something we're super excited about as an organization. For us, it's been it's been a really a change about how we felt as an organization that we need to respond and that there was a gap in what we offered individuals in terms of how to engage with us as an organization. And, yes, we had great materials you could download and learn. Yes, if you wanted to host the Tuvishvat Seder, we have a guide for you. Yes, if you want to travel to Isabella Friedman Jewish Retreat Center, you can come and have this transformative experience with us or sign up for this Adama fellowship or you know there was many ways but like I just want to be in my house you've sold me I'm inspired I need to do something different and and we didn't really have anything there at the individual level we have a great program called the Hazon Seal of Sustainability if you want to go and work with your synagogue or JCC or Hillel or Moisha House or other Jewish organization to make changes at the organizational level but what about hey uh, hey me Becky me Jody I want to do something this this is filling a gap for us 
and a lever of change that we want to be making in the Jewish community. And so we're excited to add this to round out our portfolio. And now for some sweet notes. Sweet note one, our choices matter. I think of the glass jars of milk that accumulated from Becky's personal choice to support a local dairy farmer and how a small conscious choice that reflected her values and supported her community compounded exponentially with time. That felt very powerful for me. I was just having a conversation today with a friend about how there's this just the sense that we, we, we don't have agency in our lives. So in thinking about these glass jars of milk and how, you know, how many potential um, containers of waste were saved and how the support of a local community was strengthened just by this one choice that felt so powerful. Sweet note too, Becky's sage guidance, when problems seem big, ask yourself, what is my part? Matching our own unique gifts with a particular problem we want to work on, this is where we begin. Sweet note three, radical amazement. Heschel's words are solid ground to walk on. To be spiritual is to be amazed. I was struck how Becky holds different threads of wisdom and just pulls them together in her life as needed for guidance on how she modulates her own actions as she wants to make an impact. Sweet note four, Brie Tazone. I wish I asked to explore a little bit more about these actual words. Brit hazon. Brit means covenant. And I also like in our conversation how the, the meaning of commitment was really drawn out of the word brit. And hazon really frames it as a commitment to change, this brit hazon initiative a commitment to change and taking those six weeks to explore an area where we might want to experiment with changing one aspect of, of our life. And through the Breed Has Own initiative, where we're given six different pathways. The word Breed really is sticking with me as I was recently at a, vir at a virtual baby ceremony and the idea of covenant struck me as something we enter into initially, as a baby would. And then as we grow, we can actively commit to being part of. We can actively contribute. So Brit Hazon, this commitment to do better in our lives in the face of climate change, it also strikes me as this as an inward look into where do we have agency in our lives and where can we make these small tweaks that can um, make a difference and it really feels like the belief that undergirds this initiative is the small things that we do matter. I really encourage checking out Breit Hazon on their website. If you just Google Breit Hazon, a commitment to change, it'll pop right up. I really wanna thank Becky O'Brien for her conversation. I really enjoyed connecting with her and learning more about her work and, and taking uh, a peek into her wisdom and world. 
I also want to thank Ethan Bayless, sound engineer, um, what else does he do? Everything, co-producer, <laughs> co-producer, um, and he composes some pretty awesome music for our show. And I want to wish you all moments of radical amazement. And I want to wish you all the blessing that we can all receive, a blessing of making choices and of creating sparks of light in the small actions that we do. And may we be blessed in being in the unknown, in the not knowing how big our small choices will make, how much of a difference we can make in the future, but still choosing, making that choice. May that choice be a blessing. I am Jody Bayless, and this is Purple Honey.